Praise the Lord. Good morning, Abundant Life. Good morning, Abundant Life. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Just wanted to make sure that you're up. Praise the Lord. Before we get started, I just want to ask that you guys would just bear with me and give me your patience. Can you take me down a little bit on the mic? There's a lot of feedback. Take me down just a little bit. Today I'm going to continue a series that the pastors have been preaching and teaching here in the book of Acts. You know, it's funny, sometimes God will set you up. My message today is about opposition. And so I'm not sharing something with you that's off the top of my head. You know, God would allow you to go through some things. So when you minister, you would minister out of your experience. You would minister out of your brokenness. You would minister out of a heavy heart. So there may be times as I go through this message, you may see a tear or two. Just know I'm just pouring out my heart. I didn't come to impress this morning. I came to be a blessing. And so as I talk about opposition, I'm not going to talk. I want to help people who have been struggling when they face opposition. My intent, my heart this morning is to help those see God in the face of their opposition. Amen? So there's going to be a lot of scripture reading. Please bear with me. I want to lay a foundation from the word for us to stand upon. And then we're going to get into the message and the Lord will begin to do what he desired to do. Amen? So let's go into prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, you are a sovereign God. You made the heavens, Lord, and you made the earth. You have spoken, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, through your servants. I'm your servant, Lord God, and I pray that you would speak to me today. Hide me, Lord God, in your gift. Overpower, overshadow me, Lord God, through the Holy Spirit, so that your people will be edified, that you will be glorified, Lord God, and the enemy will be horrified. For the truth that would open eyes to see, ears to hear what your spirit has to say to us. Amen. We're going to look at Acts chapter 4, and I'm going to read some passages here. Acts chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 1. It says, the priests and the captain of the temple. I'm sorry, let me give you some, a minute to get there. Oh, it's on the screen there. Praise the Lord. We don't have that luxury when I'm speaking upstairs. Amen. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. 
The next day, the rulers and elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there, and so was Siaphis, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to an account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked to bow, sorry, if we are being called to an account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. We're going to conclude reading there. As we have been studying in the book of Acts, we see that Jesus commissioned his disciples to reach the world with the gospel message. Then as only Jesus could, he gave them the power to succeed. He promised them the Holy Spirit who will work through them to achieve God's plan. It is the will of God to reconcile a lost world unto him. That is God's ultimate plan. So much so that he has commissioned his disciples and empowered them through the Spirit to partner with him in the ministry of reconciliation. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4.19. It says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all those who live shall no, li no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, you and I, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, as Christ's ambassadors, as though we're making God, uh, as though God was making his appeal through us. Now, for some of us who are sitting here today, we are only a child of God because we had a grandparent, we had a great aunt, we had a great uncle, we had a cousin, we had somebody in our family who was saved and recognized that their family needed the Lord. And they got on their knees and they prayed for your soul at a time that you were not even thinking about coming into Christ. 
If it had not been for their prayers, many of you would not be sitting here today. Raise your hand if that's true. They had the sense to know that they need to get on their knees and pray for their loved one. Now, prior to accepting Christ, we were all spiritually blind. All of us. We couldn't see things from God's perspective. Scripture says this in John 3, 3. I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this. Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the, the minds of those who do not believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is exactly the likeness of God. Listen to Apostle Paul in his prayer here in Ephesians. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you have been called. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people. And begin to know the power for those who believe. Now, because of the new birth, you and I are able to understand some basic spiritual truths when we get saved. All of a sudden, our eyes open and we begin to learn just some basics. Here's just a couple of basics. Again, I'm laying the foundation. I'm not even preaching yet. Just laying the foundation. Walk with me. Here's one. You are able to see the emptiness of a sinful lifestyle. Some of us, when we were younger, we didn't see that. We thought it was okay to go to the party or to the club. But nothing wrong, as the world say, with a little bump and grind. We thought it was okay. But when your eyes begin to be open, when you get saved, you realize that's an empty lifestyle. You are able to see God's love. You're able to see God's long-suffering. You're able to see God's mercy. Basic truths. And here's one more. Christianity, you realize that it's a relationship with Christ and not a religion. See, before you came to Christ, you said, I don't care about that church stuff. That's a bunch of rules and regulations. I don't want to go there. But then God touched your heart. When we sung that song this morning, our father, man, I was bursting in tears because we realize that Christianity is about a relationship with a living God, our father. Amen? Just laying the foundation. These are some of the basic truths and understandings we have when we get saved. However, it's the will of God that his children will grow up. It's okay to have the basic truths, but God wants us to grow up. God wants his children to learn to live by revelation that comes from his word rather than reason. 
Some of y'all missed that. Let me say it again. It is the will of God for his children to grow up and mature in him and learn to discern and live by revelation. Not by reason, not by our thinking, not by our five senses, but by the word of God. I'll prove it to you. Second Corinthians verse five, seven says, for we live by what? Faith and not by Psalms 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my what? Path. Romans 12.2 in the Amplified says, do not be conformed to this world, fashioned after and adapted to its external and superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Did you hear that? His sight for you. We used to making decisions that we think that are best for us. But when we learn to live by revelation, when we learn to live by God's word, we have to make decisions that are best in God's eyes for us, even when our flesh and our heart wants it. I'm not even preaching yet. I'm just laying the foundation. I'm laying the foundation. I'm going somewhere. In order to live a victorious life and overcome opposition, we must learn to stand and fight the good fight of faith based on the word of God. Not by our reasoning, not by our thinking. And boy, we got some smart people here in Silicon Valley. All across the country, they talk about people from this region. But I can tell you, as a believer, you got to learn to make decisions that what God sees is best for you. If you want to have victory. Remember when in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was confronted by Satan? Jesus had to use the word of God to defeat Satan. Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, if Jesus had not known the word of God, he wouldn't have had a sword in which to fight. How many of us are trying to fight spiritual battles without a sword? So growing in Christ is the will of God. What does God have in mind for us when we face these battles? When trouble or opposition comes, it is the will of God for you and I to learn how to fight. God wants us to grow up and learn how to defeat the devil. I prove it. In James chapter 1, I'm still laying the foundation. Walk with me. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, did you catch that? It says, brothers and sisters, when troubles come. It didn't say if trouble comes. 
It says when is coming. That means trouble is coming in all of our lives. Regardless if you want it or not, it's coming. When it comes, he says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Wow. Consider it an opportunity when trouble comes. That don't make any sense to me. If I'm living by reasoning, if I'm re- living by my own thinking, that don't make sense to me. Ah, but as a child of God, as I'm learning to live by God's word and revelation, knowing that my father has a will for me and a plan for me, it makes a lot of sense. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When your faith is tested, it have a chance to grow. Meaning it won't grow unless you are tested. So God says, I'm going to be sure that it's going to come. I'll let it come. Verse 4 says, so let it grow. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. However, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. You can't play both sides. Make sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided when God of the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Here's another verse in Ephesians 3. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom. Hear me on this one. It is God's will to to use the church to display his wisdom to the world. Now, when God says to use the church, he's not talking about the building. He's talking about you and I. You and I. So he's going to use you as a light to show other people his goodness. That's why he would allow you to go through troubles. He would allow you to go through opposition and other people to see it. And people are watching, believe it or not. God will see to it and he wants them to see it. Because he's going to do something supernatural inside of you. Verse 11 says, this is his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently in God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of your trials. He says, I'm suffering with you so that you should feel honored. Here's Paul's prayer. He says, when I think of all this, I fall on my knees and pray to the Father the creator in heaven and earth. I pray for his glorious unlimited resources that he would empower you with inner strength 
through his spirit, then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love, keeping you strong. Have you ever had an opposition that almost took you out? That you didn't know how I'm going to get through this. God's spirit is there for you. We saw in the text that we opened up, we saw Peter and John. Peter and John was doing the will of God. They were minding their own business. They were teaching the word. They were sharing the gospel. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that they were seized, embarrassed in front of the audience. They came, the captain, the Sadducees, they made a scene thinking that these men will bow down, but they didn't. They boldly proclaimed the word. They were, over, they were under siege. They were taken forcefully against their will and they were thrown in jail. Have you ever been minding your own business, doing the will of God? An opposition just come upon you? That can be disheartening to a believer. You know, when, when a moment like that comes, we say, man, Lord, I, I've, been, I've been going to church. I, I've been paying my tithes. Uh, I, I pray every day and I, I, I try to encourage all these people. Why does trouble come upon me? As if if we do those things, it exempts us from trouble. God said the trouble is coming because you're doing those things. I'm trying to make you grow. I'm still laying the foundation. I'm not preaching yet. I'm not preaching yet. Have you ever been in the midst of opposition that everything normal about your life had been interrupted? And now life is not what it once was and your future is in question. It could be from a call from a family member that comes late at night, catch you out of the blue. I had that happen to me two weeks ago. My mother called about 10 o'clock at night, 10, 15 at night, two weeks ago. And something about when your mother called and she's crying, your heart stops. So I said, Mom, what's, what, what, what's going on? She said, your grandmother just died. Everything in my life stopped. Whoa. My grandmother. She was the matriarch of our family. My grandmother was that believer that would pray for her kids. I have my name because of my grandmother. Growing up as a little kid, you meet somebody, hey man, what's your name? John, Andre, what's your name? Emmanuel. For me, that didn't sit right. For a young African-American to have a name called Emmanuel, what did that mean? I wasn't saved, I didn't know. But I was the first grandchild. My grandmother used to hold me in her arms as a baby and just pray. And I don't know what she prayed, but I believe that God answered her prayers. Amen. 
as I got older, I, I got to understand what my name meant. And not only did my grandmother and I have a, have a relationship where I loved her as my grandmother, but we had a spiritual connection as well. As a teenager, I would go over and mow her yard and vacuum her carpets or whatever. And Grandma, you need some runs? You need to run some errands or whatever? She says, yeah, sure, baby, come on. I need to go to the grocery store. Can you take me to the store? At this time, all of her kids had been grown and moved out of the house. So it was just her and my grandfather. And so we, I remember one day we'd go down to the grocery store. And we in the grocery store, and my grandmother just grabbing all kind of food. And I'm thinking to myself... You and Papa Daddy don't eat this much food. Why she grabbing all this stuff? It didn't make sense to me. We get back over to the house and I'm bringing the groceries in and she picks up the telephone and she calls me in the back room. She says, baby, do me a favor. She says, go out into the garage, open the freezer. To your left, you're going to see a chicken. Grab that. To the right, you see some frozen dinners. Grab that. Then over here to the, on the bottom, raise it up, you'll see some vegetables down there. Grab two packages of those. I grab those things and I come into the house. And I said, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what is this for? And all of a sudden, hear a knock at the door. My grandma said, baby, take this and take these bags I just made and hand them to Miss Williams. Miss Williams is knocking on the door. My grandmother had a food pantry. She was feeding people in her community. She was doing outreach. And when the Lord saved me, what did he call me to do? Outreach. My grandmother birthed that through the spirit in me. So losing my grandmother, it was tough. And then two days later, my auntie called and she says, baby, the funeral was in Sacramento. And we don't know any ministers here. We want you to do the services and the eulogy for your grandmother. Wow. I didn't want her to know that I couldn't do it. But I said, I'd do it. I'd do it. I called up a pastor friend of mine. I said, Pastor Marcus. Here's the situation. My grandmother died. They want me to do the funeral services. I said, if God is willing, he wants me to do it, I'll do it. I said, but I'll be honest with you, I don't think I can. He said, brother, I'll just be on the side. You let me know. I'll do anything. I'll be there for you and your family. I said, okay. So as the days was going by, I wasn't preparing a eulogy. I didn't know what I would say. I was actually, I was counting on Pastor Marcus to do it. (laughs) Then all of a sudden, a scripture dropped in my heart that I would say to my children all the time, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then all of a sudden, the Lord just gave me the words to speak at our eulogy. Ten minutes, I was able to write the sermon. It was all there. It was just flowing. Put it together. Still didn't know that I would be able to make it through. But I go to the funeral, 
and God gave me the strength. And I shared the word the Lord laid on my heart. In my time of weakness, God's strength was sufficient for me. Five members of my family who we would have said, they never coming to the Lord. God saved. God is in the midst of our opposition. And times when he feel, when we feel that he's not there, he's right there with you. But there's others. You can get a pink slip at work. You are told that your department will be eliminated. That will make some of us panic. Oh my gosh. Especially if you're the breadwinner of the family. You're a father and your wife is a stay-home mom. Oh my goodness, how do I say that? What do I say to her? At that moment, there's a sense of panic. What was normal in your life has been interrupted. And your future is in question. Perhaps it was a significant other. Who come home, you come home one day from work. And they tell you, I don't love you anymore. I want out of this marriage. And now you face with the probability of being thrust into a single person. That can be disheartening. If we're honest, we almost want to say, Lord, why are you forsaking me? Mom or dad can have a teenage young girl who come home and tell you, mom, dad, I'm pregnant. Your lives will change. Where is God in the midst of this? How do I get through this season? It could be a call from a doctor who's asking you to come into the office because they want to talk to you about some lab results. Panic. Fear. What's happening with my future? The truth is, in Christ, all things are possible for those who believe. Like Peter and John, we can also experience victory when we are in the face of opposition. Now I will begin to preach. I want to share with you four keys that will help you overcome opposition. Four keys. The number one key is prayer. The first key is prayer. The natural response is for us to worry about our issue or our crisis. But how many of you have learned that worry is futile and unproductive? Instead of worrying, God exhorts us to pray. 1 Peter 5, 7, please write these scriptures down because some of you are going to need them. Amen? Some of you are going to need them. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries to him because he cares for you. Give all your worries to him. You know, sometimes when we're going through something, 
when we are living by our reasoning and our thinking and our logic, something happens to us. Let's be honest, sometimes the first thing we want to do is call a friend, a family member, call somebody we know. The Bible here exhorts us to call on the Lord, for he cares for us. Psalms 34, verse 17 through 19 says this, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saved those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from all. The righteous person, he said, may have many troubles. But the Lord will deliver you from all. The first key when we find ourselves in opposition is to pray. The second key is this. The second key is the peace of God. That's what we need, the peace of God. Now, Philippians 4, 6 says this. Do not worry about anything, but pray and ask God for everything you need. Always giving thanks. And God's peace, which is so great we cannot understand it, will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's a few concepts that I want to share with you in regards to Philippians 4, 6 through 7, as it pertains to peace. Number one, it is promised only to those who choose to pray over worry. Did you hear that? It's promised only to those who choose to pray over worry. So if you're sitting down and you find yourself worrying again or the worrying is trying to come, you got to get back into prayer. Number two, it transcends all understanding. And number three, it guards your heart and mind from worry, doubt, and fear. The Holy Spirit will guard it. Would not let it in. That's the spiritual battle that's going on. But it would only happen if we pray. Isaiah 26, 3 says this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Peace. What was the first key? What was the second uh, key? Peace of God. The third key is this, positive thinking. Now here's where we get to some practical stuff. Positive thinking. Because positive thinking doesn't happen automatically. It happens when our minds are renewed by God's word. See, when I find myself in trouble, when I find myself in struggling to have peace, I start thinking, what does the word say? I start going through the Rolodex of scriptures that are in my heart and trying to grab onto that word to defeat the fear and worry that's trying to come in. It happens only when we purposely choose to keep the right company and learn how to arrest those negative thoughts. So, in that sense, what it's talking about, you got to watch the company you keep. You got to watch the people who you allow to speak into your life. When you're going through opposition, there are some people you don't need to call. 
you don't need to talk to at all. In the old days, they used to take the phone and take it off the hook. Now we just got to turn it off. We got smartphone. We got to turn them things off. For those who don't believe me, let's read Psalms 1. Oh, the joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves will not wither and they will prosper in all they do. In all they do. Romans 12, 2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what the will of God is. Let me give you a biblical illustration. Remember when the angel angel came and visited Mary and he told Mary that uh, she's going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit and she's going to give birth to a child and she needs to name the child Jesus. Remember that? That story, Jesus go on and tell her this. The angel begins to tell her that something supernatural is about to happen into your life. He was very specific with the details of what she was supposed to follow. But then he told her something that she didn't know. And many times we miss it. He said, Elizabeth, your cousin, is also pregnant. And she's been pregnant for six months. When I was looking at that, it dawned on me. I'm like, didn't she know that her relative was pregnant? And I had to pause on that for a second. When most of you have relatives that live by, when something significant happened in their life like pregnancy, you will know. But in this case, she didn't know. Why? Because when God is doing something supernatural in your life, when God wants to bring forth vision out of your life, when God wants to do something significant in your life, you can't talk to everybody. See, because something is going on in the supernatural and you don't understand and you ain't got time to just talk to people and just shoot the breeze. You ain't got time for that. You are in your prayer closet. You are in your word because you're trying to discern what is God up to. So you learn to cut certain people off. Not that you don't love them, but you're trying to focus on what God is doing in your life. And so normally, you would call somebody and say, girl, guess what? But that wasn't one of them situations. Because she wasn't pregnant by the one she was supposed to marry. This was Holy Spirit. This was the Lord. Now, why did the angel tell her that? Why did the angel tell her that your cousin is pregnant? You got to catch this one. What the angel was telling her, someone else is going through a supernatural childbirth too. God is doing something significant in that person's life. And if you want to talk to somebody who have a sense of understanding, who can give some wisdom, You need to go spend some time with that person. 
You didn't say it, but it was almost implied. She heard that word. Two days later, where did she go? She went to Elizabeth's house. When God is doing something significant in your life, he will show you the people who you need to talk to. It's not meant for you to talk to everybody because you're trying to discern yourself. Now, Elizabeth is six months ahead. So I would imagine while she's over there, first couple of days, she, oh, Elizabeth, I feel sick, girl. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Now, Elizabeth, who's six months ahead, said, girl, you're going to be all right. That little kicking, that little sickness, the little throw up you got is just part of the process, baby. It gets better. Amen? Amen. She can minister to her like no one else can because she's gone through it. Sometimes we are trying to get information from people who haven't been through anything. They haven't been through anything by revelation. They've been going through stuff by reasoning, by their own intellect. And we got to get the discernment from the Lord. And sometimes when God gives us discernment to do something, it don't make sense. It don't make any sense. It don't make natural sense. Remember Elijah? The Lord told him in 1 Kings chapter 17, he said, I want you to go down to the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. That don't make any sense. Do you know what a raven is? That's a scavenger. They will eat before they feed their kids. But the Lord says, go down to the brook and stay there. For I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. That's supernatural. Now, what would have happened if he didn't go there? He wouldn't have experienced the manifestation of God. He probably would have died of hunger. Where is the there that God is calling you to go to? Sometimes we get mad at God because we're to the right when the Lord told us to go to the left. You thought it was better to go to the left. But when God says go to the right, beyond all logic, you got to go to the right. Amen? Amen? Sometimes it don't make sense. Positive thinking. Positive thinking is not leaning on your reasoning. It's trying to hear the word of the Lord. Getting around people who can speak the word into your life. That's why church, listen, we're all sitting in here now. You're looking all good. We're smelling good. We got big Bibles that can choke a mule. We got on nice cologne and perfume. And we're looking good. But I know that there's been some opposition that you had to overcome. And listen, the people out there need to hear our message. They need to hear our stories. Not everything that was good. If you had a marriage that was about to fall apart, let people know that it was God that changed your marriage. If you get blessed, 
that's not just for you. God wants you to give to other people, but let people know your, your, uh, your beginnings and when they wasn't all that great. Share the goodness of the Lord. Share what God has done in your life. That's why we have recovery ministry so people can say, you can overcome that addiction because I was there. And so if you have overcome an, uh, an addiction, you need to be calling the church, wanting to speak to the elders. Do we have a program to help people deal with this? Because I overcame it and I would like to encourage some people. God didn't clean you up so you can just work and take care of your family. He wants you to give back to the kingdom of God. One little day is going to hurt you for as good as God did. Amen? Because if it had not been for his goodness, where would you be? Amen? And there's a world out there that needs what God has blessed in here. And we got to be available, guys. We have to share our life. We have to use it as a testimony in other people's lives. The test that you have had to endure, now that you have your endurance, run the race and minister to others. And the fourth key is persistent faith. The type of faith that is constant unrelenting, determined, continual faith. The kind of faith that is not wavering by sight or by reason, but stands firm on God's word and wait for God's direction and timing. You see, when Elijah was at the brook, the Lord sent the ravens to feed him there. The ravens had to obey the command of God. And they were taking him water and bread and meat in the day, the Bible said, in day and in night. God interrupted them to take care of his son. God would interrupt other people. God would interrupt your business. God will shake things up so that your need will be met. Philippians 4:19 says, "And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given in Christ Jesus." Verse 11 through 6, "And it's possible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he will reward those who sincerely seek him." I love this verse here in Psalms 37:4 says, "Though they stumble, though they stumble, they will never fall. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. The illustration I was given earlier that we're trying to learn how to live by revelation. But then sometimes our thoughts get in the way. The Bible says, though you may stumble, that means there's a process to get there. It don't happen overnight. It don't happen overnight. You will struggle in the process. But God says you will not fall because he's holding you by the hand. Amen. That reminds me when my daughter, she was our firstborn. When she was about eight, seven, eight months, we were wanting to help her learn how to walk. And so we had a big comfortable couch with these big giant pillows. And so I had the couch here 
And just a couple of feet there in the middle, I had the, um, a coffee table. And we would have our daughter get at one end, and she would, and I asked Bridget, I said, have her, put it right there. Now what I did, I took the pillows off the couch and laid them on the floor, all around. Why? Because I was protecting her just in case she would fall. I didn't want her to fall. The plan was for her to succeed in learning how to walk. So I put the pillows around. She would get at the other end of the table, and I would get down on my knees. I said, baby, come to daddy. Come to daddy. And she holding on to the couch, holding on to the coffee table, and she's trying to get there. And eventually she's walking all the way. And her mother and I getting all excited because she's walking. That's what God do for you and I. He wants to teach us how to walk, and he will allow you to lay pillows around so you will not fall and bump your head. He's not trying to destroy you. He's trying to strengthen your legs so that you can walk into the things that God has for you. Proverbs 3, and I went in with this. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, recognize and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes, but reverence and fear and worship the Lord and turn entirely from evil. If we can do those four things, you would have success. You will find God in the face of your opposition. The first key was prayer. The second key was peace. And we get the peace of God by praying, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. The third key is positive thinking. And how do you get positive thinking? You got to be around some positive people. Amen? Positive praying people. And number four, persistent faith. Don't give up. Don't worry about the circumstances. God is working something out. I didn't know, but at my grandmother's death, God's plan was to raise up new life. And so it is, see, so it is true in your life as well. Somebody came here today. You didn't know Jesus. And today before you leave, we want to give you that opportunity to come know the Lord. I want to ask every head bow, every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, I don't know the Lord as my Father. I want to ask you just to raise your hand so that I can see your hand. I don't know the Lord. And I want to receive him in my heart and my life today. I want to see your hand. I also want to have a time of prayer for those who would say, I'm in the midst of opposition and I recognize things I need to do differently in order to see God at work 
in order to see God strengthen me, deliver me. If that's you, raise your hand. I just want to remember you in prayer this week. I see your hand. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. And then third, some of you may have prepared today to be baptized. As you know, it's custom at our church that we do baptisms on a weekly basis. If you're here today, can I see your hands, those who are planning to baptize, just so the pastors can prepare for that service. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that you are our deliverer. We thank you, Lord, that in a time of opposition, we are not there by ourselves. God, we thank you that you promised to be close to the brokenhearted, those who are crushed in spirit. Father, you promised to be near us. God, we pray that you would make us a people that will live by your word, that will live according to revelation rather than reasoning. Help us, Lord, to study your word. Hide it on our hearts, Lord God, so that in a day of battle, we can use it as a sword to defeat the enemy. God, we thank you for what you're going to do. And Lord, we also pray for those who need to come into new life for you. You said if we confess with our heart that Jesus is Lord and believe that you were raised from the dead, that we can become a child of God. For those that are here today for that, Lord, we pray that you will make them a child of God. God, thank you for meeting us here today. And thank you, Lord, for giving me the strength to do your will. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.